Chapter 5 Ijal stayed near Jason the next day and took the next station in line when the endless Krenoi hunt began. Whenever it was possible, he questioned her, and before noon had extracted all of her meager knowledge of affairs beyond the barren coastal plain where they lived. The ocean was a mystery that produced edible animals, fish, and an occasional human corpse. Ships could be seen from time to time offshore, but nothing was known about them. On the other flank, the territory was bounded by desert even more inhospitable than the one in which they scratched out their existence. A waste of lifeless sand, habitable only by the Zertanoi and their mysterious Karoi. These last could be animals, or mechanical transportation of some kind. Either was possible from Ijal's vague description. Ocean, coast, and desert, these made up all of her world, and she could conceive of nothing that might exist beyond. Jason knew there was more. The crossbow was proof enough of that, and he had every intention of finding out where it came from. In order to do that, he was going to have to change his slave status when the proper time came. He was developing a certain facility in dodging Ch'aka's heavy boot. The work was never hard, and there was ample food. Being a slave left him with no responsibilities other than obeying orders, and he had ample opportunity to discover what he could about this planet, so that when he finally did leave, he would be as well prepared as was possible. Later in the day, another column of marching slaves was sighted in the distance, on a course paralleling their own, and Jason expected a repeat performance of the previous day's meeting. He was agreeably surprised that it was not. The sight of the others threw Ch'aka into an immediate rage that sent his slaves rushing for safety in all directions. By leaping into the air, howling with anger, and beating his club against his thick leather armor, he managed to work himself into quite a state before starting off on a slogging run. Jason followed close behind him, greatly interested by this new turn of affairs. Ahead of them the other slaves scattered, and from their midst burst another armed and armored figure. They churned towards each other at top speed, and Jason hoped for a shattering crash when they met. However, they slowed before they hit and began circling each other, spitting curses. Hate you, Mashika! Hate you, Ch'aka! The words were the same, but shouted with fierce meaning, with no touch of formality this time. Kill you, Mashika! You coming again on my part of the ground with your carrion meat slaves! You lie, Ch'aka! This ground mine from way back! I kill you way back! Ch'aka leaped in as he screamed the words and swung a roundhouse blow with his club that would have broken the other man in two if it had connected. But Mashika was expecting this and fell back, swinging a counter-blow with his own club that Ch'aka easily avoided. There followed a quick exchange of clubwork that did little more than fan the air, until suddenly both men were locked together and their fight began in earnest. They rolled together on the ground, grunting savagely, tearing at each other. The heavy clubs were of no use this close, and were dropped in favor of knives and knees. Jason could understand now why Ch'aka had the long tusks strapped to his kneecaps. It was a no-holds-barred fight, and each man was trying as hard as possible to kill his opponent. The leather armor made this difficult, and the struggle continued, littering the sand with broken-off animal teeth, discarded weapons, and other debris. It looked like it would be called a draw when both men separated for a breather, but they dived right back in again. 
It was Ch'aka who broke the stalemate when he plunged his dagger into the ground and on the next roll caught the handle in his mouth. Holding his opponent's arms in both his hands, he plunged his head down and managed to find a weak spot in the other's armor. Mashika howled and pulled free, and when he climbed to his feet, blood was running down his arm and dripping from his fingertips. Ch'aka jumped after him, but the wounded man grabbed up his club in time to ward off the charge. Stumbling backward, he managed to pick up most of his discarded weapons with his wounded arm and beat a hasty retreat. Ch'aka ran after him a short way, shouting praise of his own strength and abilities and of his opponent's cowardice. Jason saw a short, sharp horn from some sea animal lying in the churned-up sand and quickly picked it up before Ch'aka turned back. Once his enemy had been chased out of sight, Ch'aka carefully searched the battleground and scavenged anything of military value. Though there was still some hours of daylight left, he signaled a halt and distributed the evening ration of Krenoi. Jason sat and chewed his portion reflectively, while Ijal leaned against his side, her shoulder moving rhythmically as she scratched some hidden mite. Lice were inescapable. They hid in the crevices of the badly cured hides and emerged with clicking jaws whenever the warmth of human flesh came near. Jason had his quota of the pests and found his scratching keeping time with hers. This syncopation of scratch triggered the anger that had been building within him, slow and unnoticed. I'm serving notice, he said, jumping to his feet. I'm through with this slave business. Which way is the nearest spot to the desert where I can find the Zertanoi? Over there, a, a two-day walk. How are you going to kill Ch'aka? I'm not going to kill Ch'aka. I'm just leaving. I've enjoyed his hospitality and his boot long enough and feel like striking out for myself. You, you can't do that, she gasped. You will be killed. Ch'aka can't very well kill me if I'm not here. Everybody will kill you. That is the law. Runaway slaves are always killed. Jason sat down again and cracked another chunk from his crenoy and ruminated over it. You've talked me into staying a while, but I have no particular desire now to kill Ch'aka, even though he did steal my boots, and I don't see how killing him will help me any. You are stupid. After you kill Ch'aka, you'll be the new Ch'aka. Then you can do what you want. Of course. Now that he had been told, the social setup appeared obvious. Because he had seen slaves and slaveholders, Jason had held the mistaken notion that they were different classes of society, when, in reality, there was only one class, what might be called the dog-eat-dog -dog class. He should have been aware of this when he had seen how careful Ch'aka was to never allow anyone within striking distance of him, and how he vanished each night to some hidden spot. This was free enterprise with a vengeance carried to its absolute extreme, with every man out for himself, every other man's hand turned against him, and your station in life determined by the strength of your arm and the speed of your reflexes. Anyone who stayed alone placed himself outside this society, and was therefore an enemy of it, and sure to be killed on sight. All of which added up to the fact that he had to kill Ch'aka if he wanted to get ahead. He still had no desire to do it, but he had to. That night he watched Ch'aka when he slipped away from the others, and Jason made a careful note of the direction that he took. Of course, the slave-master would circle about before he concealed himself, but with a little luck Jason would find him and kill him. 
He had no special love of midnight assassination, and until landing on this planet had always believed that killing a sleeping man was a cowardly way to terminate another's existence. But special conditions demanded special solutions, and he was no match for the heavily armored man in open combat. Therefore, the assassin's knife. Or, rather, sharpened horn. He managed to doze fitfully until some time after midnight, then slipped silently from under his skin coverings. Silently he skirted the sleepers and crept into the darkness between the dunes. Finding Ch'aka in the wilderness of the desert night was not easy, yet Jason persisted. He made careful sweeps in wider and wider arcs, working his way out from the sleeping slaves. There were gullies and shadowed ravines, and all of them had to be searched with the utmost care. The slave-master was sleeping in one of them, and would be alert for any sound. The fact that he had also made special precautions to guard against assassination was only apparent to Jason after he heard the bell ring. It was a tiny sound, barely detectable, but he froze instantly. There was a thin strand pressing against his arm, and when he drew back carefully the bell sounded again. He cursed silently for his stupidity, only remembering now about the bells he had heard from Ch'aka's sleeping site. The slaver must surround himself every night with a network of string that would sound alarm bells if anyone attempted to approach in the dark. Slowly and soundlessly Jason drew back deeper into the gully. With a thud of rushing feet, Ch'aka appeared, swinging his club around his head, coming directly towards Jason. Jason rolled desperately sideways, and the club crashed into the ground. Then he was up and running at top speed down the gully. Rocks twisted under his feet, and he knew that if he tripped, he was dead. Yet he had no choice other than flight. The heavily armored Ch'aka could not keep up with him, and Jason managed to stay on his feet until the other was left behind. Ch'aka shouted with rage and hurled curses after him, but he could not catch him. Jason, panting for breath, vanished into the darkness and made a slow circle back to the sleeping camp. The noise would have roused them, and he stayed away for an estimated hour, shivering in the icy pre-dawn before he slipped back to his waiting skins. The sky was beginning to gray, and he lay awake wondering if he had been recognized. He did not think he had. As the red sun climbed over the horizon, Ch'aka appeared on top of the dunes, shaking with rage. "'Who did it?' he screamed. "'Who came in night?' He stalked among them, glaring right and left, and no one stirred except to draw away from his stamping feet. "'Who did it?' he shouted again as he came near the spot where Jason lay. Five slaves pointed silently at Jason. Cursing their betrayal, Jason sprang up and ran from the whistling club. He had the sharpened horn in his hand, but he knew better than to try and stand up to Ch'aka in open combat. There had to be another way. He looked back quickly to see his enemy still following and narrowly missed tripping over the outstretched leg of a slave. They were all against him. They were all against each other, and no man was safe from any other man's hand. He ran free of the slaves and scrambled to the top of a shifting dune, pulling himself up the steep slope by clutching at the coarse grass on the summit. He turned at the top and kicked sand into Ch'aka's face, trying to blind him, but had to run whenever the slaver swung down his crossbow and notched a steel quarrel. Ch'aka chased him again, panting heavily. Jason was tiring now, and he knew this was the best time to launch a counterattack. The slaves were out of sight, and it would be a battle only between the two of them. 
Scrambling up a slope of broken rock, he reversed himself suddenly and leaped back down. Ch'aka was taken by surprise and had his club only half raised when Jason was upon him, and he swung wildly. Jason ducked under the blow and used Ch'aka's momentum to help throw him as he grabbed the club arm and pulled. Face down, the armored man crashed against the stones, and Jason was straddling his back even as he fell, clutching for his chin. He lacerated his fingers on a jagged tooth necklace, then grasped the man's thick beard and pulled back. For a single long instant, before he could writhe free and roll over, Ch'aka's head was stretched back, and in that instant Jason plunged the sharp horn deep into the soft flesh of the throat. Hot blood burst over his hand, and Ch'aka shuddered horribly under him and died. Jason climbed wearily to his feet, suddenly exhausted. He was alone with his victim. The cold wind swept about them, carrying the rustling grains of sand, chilling the sweat on the body. Sighing once, he wiped his bloody hands on the sand and began to strip the corpse. Thick straps held the shell helmet over the dead man's head, and when he unknotted them and pulled it away, he saw that Ch'aka was well past middle age. There was some gray in his beard, but his scraggly hair was completely gray, his face and balding head pallid white from being concealed under the helmet. It took a long time to get the wrappings and armor off and retie them over himself, but it was finally done. Under the skin and claw wrappings on Ch'aka's feet were Jason's boots, filthy but undamaged, and Jason drew them on happily. When at last, after scouring it out with sand he had strapped on the helmet, Ch'aka was reborn. The corpse on the sand was just another dead slave. Jason scraped a shallow grave, interred and covered it, then slung about with weapons, bags, and crossbow, the club in his hand. He stalked back to the waiting slaves. As soon as he appeared, they scrambled to their feet and formed a line. Jason saw Ijal looking at him worriedly, trying to discover who had won the battle. "'Score one for the visiting team,' he called out, and she gave him a small, frightened smile and turned away. "'About face all, and head back the way we came. There is a new day dawning for you slaves. I know you don't believe this yet, but there are some big changes in store.' He whistled while he strolled after the line and chewed happily on the first crenoy that was found. 